This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Welcome, everybody. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710 and seattlesports.com. Hopefully, everybody's having a great day. It's sunny. It's nice. It's a little chilly today, but still nice. No rain is always a good thing. Yeah, I don't mind clear and cold. Yeah, yeah. No problem. That's uh, rainy and cold stinks. This is not bad. This is not bad. So hopefully everybody's having a great day. we got good stuff coming your way today. Tom Murphy of your Seattle Mariners will join us at 2.30 today. As we said in the snapshot there, pitchers and catchers reporting. So uh, he's out there in, in Arizona. We'll catch up with him. Uh, Ryan Wilson, CBS Sports Draft Analyst, will join us at 3 o'clock. We'll talk some, some NFL draft with him as we get deeper and deeper into these mock drafts and different predictions. It's always interesting. I love watch, reading that stuff. I just I don't. I don't take any of it too seriously because all of them are so varied and yeah. it's just interesting to get so many different perspectives and some do it with some level of authority. Like this, if they're smart, this is the guy they'll take if he's available. And if they don't, they're really making a mistake here. You know, some are kind of on that and others are, yeah, I could see them going with this player. Yeah. I think Ryan, he doesn't take it too or himself too seriously. Yeah. Ryan Wilson. I think this is the fourth year that we've had him on, I think in 2020, uh, we started off with him, or maybe it was 21, Mike. But, um, yeah, I mean, he he's just – I like his humility that he's, you know, he's like – That well, he doesn't know everything. I, yeah, exactly. So, and they're, they're doing the best they can as far as compiling information. So, we'll see what he has in store for the Seahawks. But, yeah, he's been a, been a good friend of the show, and I think somebody that we've gone back to just because of the way he handles it. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, listen, everybody's guessing at this point. You don't know who's trading, who's staying, where they're at, who's going to trade back, who's going to trade up. You're – Everybody's guessing, and that's the fun of it. Yeah, you know, if you were uh, if you were in the had anything to do with the, the draft, if if it were me, I would be paranoid. I would be the kind of guy that would just go, I, I'm not going to talk to anybody because you don't want to be wrong. About I might, or because I might slip up <laughs> and say, well, yeah. we really like this quarterback. Oh, yeah. wait a minute, you yeah. do like to unveil the uh, the ending before the show even starts. Or... That's true. That's <laughs> you, true. Like to, you like to read the last page of your book first. Bob did it yesterday. <laughs> I had to point that out and make a big... See, I'm not the only one. Now, the count is like 275 to 2, but still. You would fit in well with Jim Irsay because he kind of alluded to the fact they like Bryce Young. And I think it might be Ryan Wilson. One of the mock drafts now has the Colts trading up to take Bryce Young number one. Well, that's the one... Based on the comments. Well, CBS had a... I don't think it was his, but remember I read the CBS uh, mock from somebody on there that had the Colts trading up to number one, but they were taking Will Levis. Mm. So... That's the fun of it. One's got him taking this guy. One's got him taking another guy. And, you know, who knows? It's going to be fun to find out. So we'll we'll talk to him at 3 o'clock. And then our buddy Brady Henderson from ESPN.com will join us at 4 o'clock today to talk some Seahawks. Uh, this hour of Wyman and Bob is brought to you by Muckleshoot Casino. We talked about this after the show yesterday. Sort of the, the Seahawks identity has always sort of been at least portrayed to be Tough defense, run the ball. Running team, Pete loves to run the ball. He wants to get back to running the ball, playing great defense. Well, they were pretty much the opposite of that this year. They did run the ball. Ken Walker was really good. But they were, they were you know, a pretty efficient passing offense with a defense that was not so good. Right. So it was, it was kind of, you know, I mean, 
you, you had Geno set the club record, franchise record for yards in a season. So they were passing the ball. It didn't. It didn't revert back to what I think everybody thought it was going to be. Oh, Russell's gone. We're going to go back. It's going to be dink and dunk. Take what the defense gives you. There's really leaning on this run game, and it just. I don't know if it if they philosophically moved away from it or if it was just a necessity because of how the defense was playing. Did you have an opinion as to whether they? Wow, they're not. They're not really sticking to what they norm. What they were uh, purported to be. They're going to be this heavy run defense team. Did they move away from that because they just didn't have the the horses, so to speak? Or do you think they have a philosophical change? You mean on both sides of the ball? or More, yeah. more defense. I yeah. mean, because they did run the ball, but they really, I mean, they did throw it around a lot. Well, I think they wanted to be good on defense as far as the run, you know, stopping the run and, you know, and playing, you know, good defense. Um, obviously, they weren't, they weren't great. I mean, let's see, this year, I think they were number 20 to 25 something like like that in terms of points yeah points or total yardage and things like that so i'll look at it on defense but yeah i mean when you look at uh when when you look at uh, what they what they did on the offensive side they just didn't really have you know the the guys to do it um i mean you didn't have some big road graders at guard and center and so that's what the question is i mean should they should they get away from defense? And we talked about this briefly at the end of the show. You know, should they you know spend every one of those picks in the first fifty seven? What's the stat you had, Mike? Like they didn't pick in two thousand twenty till what pick was it? Oh, 50- twenty. Well, so they have four picks in the top fifty three this year, right? And in twenty twenty one, their first pick was like fifty six, right? Their first pick of the draft that was Dwayne Eskridge, but yeah, yeah, that was their first pick, right? Number fifty six, and now you have four or five. Is it four or five? Four in the top fifty three. Yeah, so I mean, it's you know, and you you said something yesterday that I thought was thought provoking because, um, you know, you said, hey, should they should they just play? defense you know go all the way with their their four picks on defense and by the way they're 25th in points allowed and 26th in total yards allowed yeah so not good not good no and they they didn't want to do that obviously they wanted we wanted to see them bounce back from the years with with ken norton when you know as far as total yards they were 31st for a couple of years i think the other one they were you know in the 20s so uh that just didn't happen i don't think that they had the personnel to do that yeah but you know i i think one of the things that's encouraging we kind of kind of stumbled on this conversation yesterday but you know that's what the when the uh, the Denver Broncos came into Super Bowl forty eight, you know they didn't they didn't have a great defense. I mean they were they were just okay on defense, but they were the number one offense in a couple of different categories. So you know what they did in that time off was they you know between the two Super Bowls where they actually won in two thousand fifteen they beat Carolina in Super Bowl fifty. And by the way, Carolina was the number one offense, mm-hmm. but their defense, they were number one in total yards, and they were number four in points allowed. That happened in two years, and they basically did it through free agency. It wasn't so much about, you know, drafting. You know, they drafted uh, eight of their 15 players in, in between those two Super Bowls were, were defensive players, so not an overwhelming number, but they they. They drafted Von Miller. Uh, they went and got Aqib Talib. They went and got Demarcus Ware. Um, you know, they had they had some good drafts in there, and they just totally focused on defense. And like I said, they go up against the Carolina Panthers, who were number one, and they beat them. 
in in the Super Bowl with that defense. So they went from you know almost dead last, and then their offense that year wasn't very good. You know, in two, in uh, Super Bowl Fifty. Yeah, they, they were uh, they were just okay. That was a shell of Peyton Manning at yeah. that point. I mean, I think they were in the twenties. So yeah, that was uh, it. Was kind of interesting to see John Elway get back and understand what defense means. And in this Super Bowl this year, it was thirty eight to thirty five. So there wasn't a lot of defense play. Yeah, I was just going to say. I mean, the Eagles had the numbers. They led the league in sacks, and they, you know, the Chiefs' defense wasn't touted as one of the greats, but it was it was a very Solid defense, but yeah, you saw in the big game, it wasn't about the defense. Not yeah, at all. certainly moments. There are certainly moments where the defense came into play, but when you look at the total score, you're going, okay, the biggest factor was the offense. Yeah, well, and that's the thing that's kind of confusing about it, right? Is Philadelphia did build themselves a defense that had 70 sacks. Yeah. I mean, it was by far more than anyone else, and they were pretty much neutralized. I mean, they were they did not get a single sack in that game. They allowed still amazing 38 points, and so you know you, you still but but what does what does Pete do? What does John do really well? What did they do? You know, when they they got those first few drafts in 10, 11, 12, and 13, when the Seahawks were building that with John Schneider, who we talk to tomorrow, by the mm-hmm. way. Um, 22 uh, players drafted, 14 of them were, or I'm sorry, there was 36 players drafted, 22 of them were defensive players. But, you know, the the Broncos went a different way. They went and, and with free agency along with Von Miller in the draft. But, you know, so I just thought, yeah, that's that's probably something. I mean, you said, hey, Shouldn't they spend all four of those picks in the first couple rounds on defense? Yeah, probably. But then you also think, hey, if you want to get your run game going as well. You know, yeah. those are the two things that they really relied on. Their run game, because, you know, Russ was in his second year and you weren't asking him to throw the ball all over the field. And you had Marshawn Lynch and a really good, solid run game. And then you had just the, you know, we see what happens when you put the, the number one defense up against the number one offense. Denver was number one in a lot of categories. They just entirely blew them out. Yeah. Yeah, it's the the one exception, and you, you brought up the O line. Like if they in those just talking about those first four picks, if if they went with a guard or if they went with a center, then I would be like, okay, that makes sense because yeah. those are needs as well. They're not to me not as pressing as what you're, you're missing on defense. I mean, their defense was a liability, and you know even KJ was you know that cut. We got to find that cut again where he's like the interior of the O line is frightening the other one is terrifying the interior right. of the D line so yeah. he doesn't like the interior on either line i just feel like it is scarier on the defensive side of things that to me from the outside and we'll talk to john tomorrow but and i don't know if he'll let us know what the priority is but if i'm looking at it going all right we here's what we need to address 1 2 3 4 top 4 are all defensive spots unless and we always throw out the caveat they've got a huge conviction about one of the quarterbacks which i'd I'd be really surprised, but I sort of allow for that. Like, okay, if you go quarterback, I'll be stunned, but I get it. Yeah. Because you have a top five pick. You'll who knows if you'll ever have a top five pick again. You've never had it before this. So if you've got that conviction with that pick, okay, I get it. But the other picks, I just don't know how you go away from defense because it's just such a pressing need. Yeah. Well, and then the other thing is how how do you build that defense? 
I mean, you know, much like what the Broncos did, yeah, they did draft Von Miller, but they mostly went through free agency. Yeah, with a keep to leave and wear. Yeah, I mean, and we get excited about the draft this time of year, and rightfully so. It's really exciting to, you know, to think, you know, you get a corner like uh, Tariq Wool and you go, man, is he going to be the next Richard Sherman? Mm -hmm. You know, which maybe is not fair to Tariq, but those are the exciting things. But also a lot of it, you know, that's only half the battle. The other part of it, and if you look at how Schneider built this team, him and Pete, back in 2013, they went and got Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett. You know, mm-hmm. so and they've they've tried. They've been very aggressive in free agency. So that that part's almost more exciting to me. I, I feel like the the young guys. You don't really expect that much from them. I mean, <laughs> after last year, I feel sorry for the draft classes coming up here. Yeah, I think there's going to be an expectation <laughs> that's maybe not real. We talked about that. Yeah. Like even on on John's part, I feel the players themselves. But even John and Pete, if you don't have, I don't know what. How many picks do they have? Nine this year? Yeah. Is it nine? I know it was nine last year. I think they get ten. There's some confusion out there because John Reed got picked up. They might get a conditional pick. So I think it's ten. All right. Well, nine nine listed right now. I think they get ten. I I think the expectation for a lot of fans will be, well, aren't they all? How come they're not all playing? Yeah. I mean, that last year. What happened? You you failed this year. Last year was that's an anomaly. That to, to get what they got from their first pick all the way through the end for the most part, except for a guy who was on injured reserve to start the year. I, I, that's not a realistic ex- It's sort of like the Mariners rotation, expecting them to go through this season completely healthy and nobody misses a start because that's what happened last year. That's awesome that it happened last year. Not really a realistic expectation. And that applies to this draft. And it only really happens to a couple of uh, different teams where they get a lot. Detroit. Detroit Lions got a lot out of their rookies, you know, with that mm-hmm. Rodrigo kid, the other kid that had was leading sacks until the last game. Houston. Uh, yeah, Houston. I think he was a fifth rounder. So, yeah, that doesn't happen. I'll be happy to uh, to uh, rein everybody back in about rookies, though, Bob. Yeah, <laughs> if you get anything, be happy. Anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think, you know, that's – but the other the other part of the way you build it and going back to that, uh, that Elway – team that he built and here he is an offensive player and that was the kind of interesting thing about John that the only guy that they really got at quarterback since John Elway was Peyton Manning and then you end up winning a Super Bowl it's kind of ironic you win a Super Bowl with him when he's like on the decline yeah that he's, he's on his last legs yeah and he was not the reason why they won that Super Bowl yeah. in Santa Clara that was you know, Super Bowl 50 was won because of their defense so well, does does the philosophy change. I mean, we're we're looking at Pete and John coming in, and they they won a a Super Bowl with an efficient quarterback who's not lighting it up. He's not throwing it all over the place, but he didn't turn the ball over. He made the key passes. He made the key plays, especially with his legs. But you had a you had a generational defense, yeah. and you had a a, a a huge running attack that you know, obviously Marshawn Lynch and a running quarterback. I mean, Russ ran for eight hundred and forty nine yards in one season. So I mean. It was, he was a huge threat. So your running attack was was massive. Do they still believe? Hey, it's running. It's running in defense. Running in defense is what's going to get us there. Or has the philosophy changed since we're talking about a decade later? Is it is it different now? You just we just talked about seventy plus points combined scored in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Is it still about defense, or is it? Hey, we we need to alter our philosophy and our thinking a bit, and maybe build up the offense a bit more. Not 
you still have problems on defense. I'm not ignoring that. But do you think their philosophy has changed at all over that, that decade? I wonder. It's a good question because I, I think that Pete, just, this is just my impression that it seemingly he sort of stepped away from the defense a little bit. Like he, he wanted to make sure last year that everybody knew he wasn't going to be lording over the defense, you know, and telling guys what to do and stuff like that. But, but if you look at what, you know, Pete Carroll has had a, a winning mentality is about playing defense. I mean, you, you mentioned the generational defense. That's the best defense in the history of the NFL for mm-hmm. four years. And then I think in the fifth year, cause so 2012, 13, and 14, and 15, 12, 13, 14, they were number one. And then I think in 16, they were like number three. Yeah, I think they, 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 they had fell a, off just a, little a massive bit. fall off a cliff, yeah. number three or something. Yeah, so I mean, and that's what you've always done and done well. That's what Pete knows how to do. And then, you know, we'll find out about Pete that if you connect the dots, they kind of know what they're doing at quarterback. You know, what, what you got out of Geno Smith. So I would love to see them get Geno locked up for, a, you know, a decent amount let all of those young guys get better, you know, your two tackles, and then invest in the interior part of both lines on, on both sides of the ball. And by the way, I think KJ said one was concerning or something like that, and the other side was a disaster or something like that. I thought but he said terrifying or frightening. One was or terrifying, <laughs> and I think it was the defense that Neither was terrifying. Were good. Right, he didn't feel good about the interior of either line. That much we knew, but one seemed more concerned. I think yeah. it was the defense. <laughs> yeah, but I, I agree. I agree with him. I think that's that's kind of where it starts. So, yeah, I think I wouldn't be surprised if they got back to that because if you look at just stats around the NFL, I mean, you look at defense especially four of the top five defenders point wise: San Francisco, Buffalo, Baltimore, and Dallas made the playoffs. Believe it or not, the New York Jets were number four as far as points allowed. So that was a that was a it's pretty because good of Sauce defense. Gardner because he's <laughs> apparently he's the greatest defensive player we've seen in generations. Well, they had that one tackle who got eleven sacks. Is it oh. Williams or something like that? And he didn't even get into the you know didn't make all pro. Aaron Donald made all pro. So yeah, they did have some some good players, but still, you got four of the top five there that were you know that ranked in while well, they're number one, number two, number three, and number five. San it, Francisco, Buffalo, ba- uh, Baltimore, and Dallas. It, it would seem if if Pete and John are still of the belief, hey, it's defense in a running attack that gets us there. It takes some of the pressure off having that franchise quarterback. That Geno, I think we all look at Geno and go, man, what a miraculous miraculous year. We'd love to have him back. I don't think anybody's looking at him going, he's as good as, as Aaron Rodgers. He's as good as Patrick Mahomes. He's, he's not in that con- – his year was. He had a good year. He's not those guys. Do you need Patrick Mahomes to win a Super Bowl? No, I think you could win with somebody like Geno as long as he takes care of the ball. I think that's what you did with Russ. Russ was – again, he wasn't thrown for 5,000 yards when they won. He was taking care of the ball. He was making the right plays. And the defense and the running attack is what really you know solidified everything and allowed him not to have to – Put it all on his shoulders, and he did at times. But I think if you if you build this defense back up and you really establish that running attack, then let Geno be the guy who takes care of the ball, not game manager. But you don't yeah. have to rely on. He doesn't have to be the elite superstar, Burrow, Mahomes. He doesn't have to be that. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you what, though. Last year, I think he proved. Now, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm not sure exactly where the Rams were ranked. I know they have a lot of good players on their defense, and he was relied on in that game at Los Angeles 
to win that game, mm-hmm. you know, because the run game was because of injuries, just entirely decimated. They didn't have anybody. Tony Jones was the guy who, yeah. you know, was uh, the Without fourth or contact. fifth string. Yeah, no, <laughs> couldn't see, uh, couldn't legally drive, but he was able to play in an NFL game. But he had to take that over. Gino did. So it's nice to know that if he has to do that, he can. He can take it. Take it over. But you know, the the one thing about Russ, you know, and people say, well, he didn't throw a lot. Remember the the record that he had was fourth quarter and overtime come back come from behind wins. He was money. He was he had a record going there, and I think it was Matthew Stafford was the only other one that was even close to to where he was. He had something at when at the end like forty five mm-hmm. uh, overtime and fourth quarter come from behind wins. So, you know, to me, it's more about for Gino. Because if you're going to play defense, you're going to keep it tight. You know, Pete always talked about we're going to, you know, kind of hang around and then we're going to win it in the fourth quarter. Gino, more than having to carry the team in a game like the Rams, he's got to be able to do what he did at the end of that Ram game Mm -hmm. Uh, and more, you know, prove that he can do that every time. And I think he can, but, you know, you got to be able to to come from behind and be clutch when when it's uh, when it's time to do so and Russ was the best at that. Well, and and the beauty of Gino is, you know, he can play quarterback and if you need him to, he can be the OC, which is great. That's uh, great news. So you can multitask. All right, let's take two. Well, some concern already for the Texas Rangers. They held Jacob DeGrom out of his first spring training workout with left side tightness. And this is a guy that they invested to a five-year, $185 million deal this offseason. Yeah, pitchers, man, you just, it's how it goes. He's had injury history anyway, but, you know, I read the other story about Frankie Montas for the Yankees. It looks like he's going to miss all of, if not all, part of, if not all of, the 2023 season with shoulder surgery. I mean, it's just... That's what made last year's situation with the Mariners rotation so miraculous because you're seeing this out of the gates and maybe this is just, hey, it's day one, pitchers, catchers reporting. We're not going to push anything. You feel even a twinge. Have a seat. Well, and I, I think also there is some luck involved. Some of these are just bad luck. When you look at like Mitch Haniger, I mean, yeah. there was a lot of bad luck there. And that's the thing that can take you down. I remember in 2021, what did they have, like 58, 59 different players? They lost track. That went through. Yeah, it was one of one of the worst ones. And then last year, it was one of the better ones. So it just brings to mind that whole thing and how disappointing that is when you got your team, you're all excited about this player or that player, or this guy finally breaks out, and then he gets injured. Well, the Dolphins have officially named Vic Fangio as their defensive coordinator. This is a Miami defense that was not good last year. They ranked 24th in points allowed per game, 27th in passing yards allowed per game. After the season ended, they fired four defensive coaches. Goodness. Well, he's coming in as the cure. How old is Vic now? I don't know, man. I don't want to say because he's probably near my age, and I don't want to call him an old man or anything. I thought he was older than you. Uh, 64. 64. Well, he's kind of the three-four guru, and that's what they run in Miami. And you know, he's kind of uh, seen as sort of the resurgence of the three-four. I feel like that kind of goes back and forth, and back and forth, yeah. four three, three-four. It depends on you know how you run it individually, and it also depends on you know what kind of guys you have. But uh, interesting move, and for a guy who's sixty-four years old, that's still pretty, pretty hot commodity in the yeah. coaching world. 
All right, there you go. Take two is brought to you by Swedish Cyberknife. Treat prostate cancer with Swedish Cyberknife. Swedish.org slash Cyberknife Prostate. A reminder, don't forget to catch the debut episode of the John Schneider Show tomorrow at 4 p.m. Dave and I will be live at the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. The Seahawks GM will be with us every Thursday between now and the first round of the NFL Draft. That's the John Schneider Show tomorrow at 4 o'clock, so do not miss that. All right, everyone is starting to arrive in Peoria. We're going to hear all about it with Mariners catcher Tom Murphy. He'll join us next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. This hour of Wyman and Bob is brought to you by Muckleshoot Casino. We're hopefully catching up with uh, Mariners catcher Tom Murphy here shortly as pitchers and catchers reporting to spring training. Murph Murph is the man. He's the man. It's amazing. He's one of those guys where you hear so much more about who he is as an individual and a leader in that clubhouse than what he does on the field. And and I think he's a good catcher. I think he's certainly come up with timely hits like everybody else, but he, he just has such a value to the guys around him and his presence is, is really something that's that's talked about by basically everybody there. Like yeah. it is a big his presence is a big deal. Well, and he's kind of a, one of those legendary guys. Like, first of all, there was something about him not smiling ever, and so then he yeah. broke out that the crazy, crazy face. Yeah. <laughs> Love that man. <laughs> then uh, you know, Shannon uh, Dreher, our Mariner insider, was telling us about how he walks on uh, like an incline um, treadmill treadmill with like. 80-pound dumbbells or something legendary like that. Yeah, so he's he's a tough guy. Yeah, when it, we, you can ask him if he's ever been fired off of a treadmill into a wall or anything. <laughs> <laughs> with ever had with that the moment. weights oh, and then God. broke a rib with the weight. Can you imagine that? that he he did all of your accidents in one fell swoop. <laughs> he got fired into a wall and one of the weights landed on his ribs at the same time. And you'd be like, I know how to do that. I hate to disappoint you, Bob, but I did not get fired into the wall. <laughs> what happened was I became horizontal, like six feet off the ground. I thought you were pinned against the wall and it was rubbing on no, your leg. No, I was pinned against the, well, yeah. I mean, I think, no, it was the it was the Stairmaster that I was pinned against. Oh, I, I pictured you like getting pushed and you're up against the wall and the belt's rubbing on your leg because yeah. you're. You're pinched between the machine and the wall. Yeah, I don't think I hit the wall, but I, w- I did fall <laughs> next to the wall. So, yeah. That can't happen to Tom Murphy. Oh, uh, no, no. We can't have that happen. But, yeah, the, 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 the tread was just, like, burning holes uh, in my skin. I had, I had this huge, not a rash, but, like, a scab. Yeah, it was like a, yeah, it looked like a turf burn or something yeah, out there. exactly. You need indoor cameras in your house, Dave, for this very thing. You need to have It's not this. happening again, Bob. <laughs> That would oh, just, be funny. You, I've never seen you laugh so hard as oh, when you watch the video I think, of these people that fall off of treadmills. Oh, I love it. I, love, I watch with such great delight. I just is so funny. Uh, and then I, I envision you in that, that same spot, so it, it makes it hilarious. But uh, we'll, we'll talk to Tom Mur- Murphy here in just a few moments. I want is the is it already in the seventies out there? Is it? Is it already warm? Oh, oh down I, in, I'd like it to be like around 78 when we get there. Down in Arizona, if they can yeah. work that out, that'd be great. I hope so, man. It, it is such a fun trip, man. We, you know, we obviously stopped doing it during the pandemic. Remember, we were all fired up to go down there yeah. in 2020. The pandemic hits, but, you know, you and I had our, we were going to do the whole stepbrothers thing. <laughs> yeah. and we were going to make bunk beds. Yeah, we were going to do that whole thing. And then 
It, it didn't all happen. for naught. But it's happening this year, and we're looking forward to seeing this guy in person. We've got him on the phone right now, so we'll have to make that do. He's with us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. He is Mariners catcher Tom Murphy. Tom, how are you, man? I'm doing very well. Very well, guys. Well, it's, it's good to talk to you. And before we get into all the baseball stuff, I've got I've just got to reconfirm because you, you made my co-host incredibly proud and you became his favorite player because you just abstain from social media. You just find it. You find the it. The scourge rep- of society is what Murph called it. Yeah. <laughs> Are you still on board with that? Absolutely. I I have one to uh, just kind of post something about my family here and there, but I don't have it downloaded on my phone or anything. Like I just I refuse to use it. So. Yeah, my opinions are still the same on that one. Yeah, <laughs> there you well, go. We love you for that, Mark. Uh, the other question we have for you, and we heard this this legend of you on an inclined treadmill carrying weights. But my my question really is: Have you, like me, fallen off of a treadmill ever in your life? <laughs> I can't say that I have, but it's definitely not impossible. Yeah, well, I found that out. I, I solved that mystery. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it's fun. It sounds like a really good thing to do. <laughs> no, we get, we got to keep Murph healthy. Uh, well, how, speaking of health, I know you've probably been asked this 8 million times and you're sick of it, so for forgive the question, but for our listeners that aren't aware, how are you feeling physically? Where, where Are you 100%? Are you getting close? Where are you at? Yeah, no, I feel 100%. I honestly like uh, started swinging around November. That was about five months post-op for me. And, uh, you know, it literally took me one swing to not think about it ever again. So it was like everything felt exactly how it should be um, going forward throughout the whole pr- progression. There was no issues, no setbacks, no nothing like that. So I couldn't be more confident with where my shoulder is right now. The, the surgeon did a great job, and my PTs around me did a great job as well. Was that that was your left shoulder then? Yeah, it was my left shoulder. Okay, okay. I thought I was thinking because you didn't mention throwing, and for some reason I thought it was your right shoulder. So yeah. Well, no. And that's interesting, Tom. I mean, because that's kind of what you go through. You get the, you know, you get the repair done. But there's always something kind of in the back of your mind going, "Man, can I really do this?" That's that's a pretty. It sounds like it happened pretty quickly for you. Yeah, it really did. I mean, like I said, I throughout the entire process, I felt like I was ahead of the curve, um, just trying to do as much as I could to to make sure that I ended up healing the right way, you know, whether that was with a, you know, really paying attention to my diet or doing extra stuff at home to hopefully help with the healing. I just, I I dove all in and that was my only sole focus and job during that time. And I felt like it went well. Hey, Tom, as as frustrating as I'm sure it was to not be able to play last year, you know, seeing the way the season went, finally getting to the postseason, winning a series in the postseason. I saw you in the clubhouse. You were with the team. How how cool was that for you just to be in the mix and, and see what this team was able to accomplish? Well, it's extremely special, you know, especially I feel like uh, you know, watching the pitching staff do what they did. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm one with them. I'm as connected with them as anybody else on the field. And to see them go out there and, and do what they did to, to lead us down the stretch and to put us in a position to even win playoff games and, and you know, not only feel like we're there, but feel like we're there to win. Um, is I just can't say enough about those guys and how happy I am for them as a crew and a staff. And, you know, to be a part of that again is, is seriously a blessing. Yeah, well, and at the end of the year, Murph, kind of, you know, you were around all of that. What was sort of the, what was the the mentality uh, going into the off season? Like, was everybody like, "Hey, man, I'm so fired up that we're going to go further next year," or you know, how how quickly did that happen? Yeah, I think um, you know, it's it's tough to say that you're thinking about the next year at the end of one season. Yeah, you know, it's 
you're so mentally and physically exhausted at that time. The playoffs is a different animal. I mean, you ask anybody, it feels like you're playing, you know, three times the amount of games that you actually are because it's just a, an emotional toll that you're not necessarily used to every day where, you know, literally every every little piece counts. And um, so, you know, at the end of the season, everybody just kind of takes a deep breath. And But I can tell you this, like coming into this season, I feel like the hard work was done. You know, last year we had extremely high expectations for the first time and we accomplished those. And so to do that on the first year, where expectations are higher than ever. To me, it's probably the hardest thing we'll have to face. And so from here forward, it, it feels like we should have that confidence in that we did it one year, you know, and then probably the hardest year to do it. And to come back and do it again is, is something that it, we should feel like it is ours to take. Hey, Tom, you, you know, you know the old saying, you don't know what you got until it's gone type. And I'm curious, just from you suffering the injury, not being able to be a part of it, did it change your, your I don't know, appreciation for playing the game? Did it did, did, you know create more anticipation, more fire in your belly to get back out there? Do you view it differently now that you had to kind of be a spectator for a bit? Yeah, unfortunately, I've dealt with injury before, and it, it seems to be always the case. The, the lesson that you learn is, is exactly that, that you, know, you really do end up missing it more than you could ever imagine. And so to be able to see everything go down the way it did Danny last year and two, physically not be able to do my job and be out there and be a part of it it was it was heartbreaking in one sense but the other on the other side of the coin it was extremely motivating and that's exactly how i feel right now more motivated than ever to hopefully be a part of that hey tom uh tell us about just kind of the things that go through your mind with all of the new rules that that are coming up that uh you know how it's going to affect your job what are a couple of the things that are going to be the biggest changes for you as a catcher um, you know, I don't really think it affects me too much. I, I prefer that pace. I love a pitcher that works fast. Um, it, it just helps me as a catcher get into the rhythm of the game. And I feel like that could ring true for both pitcher and defense as well. So I think it's actually a huge benefit on, on for my job. Um, it allows me to kind of force the issue more than any other, you know, because it's going to feel like we're coming at you. You know, we have in, 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 in 100 miles an hour starting every so I, I think it's a huge benefit towards us and it's going to be wishy-washy early on everybody's got to adjust but once people adjust i think it's going to make for a better game hey tom how, how cool was it for you to see what cal raleigh did last year i picture you guys kind of like big brother little brother i don't know what your relationship is like but he's such a humble quiet guy and to see him go out there especially struggling the way he did to start the year being sent down then you fast forward and He's coming up with one of the biggest moments in the history of this this organization. Uh, just seeing that growth, seeing seeing that leap that he took in that moment. What was that like for you? That's incredibly special. I mean, it's the, the type of opportunity that I know I wanted early in my career, and to see somebody go out there and seize it, um, it almost feels like you, you're out there rooting for him as well. And that's absolutely the case with Cal. And him and I have a great relationship, great working relationship, great personal relationship. And you know we. We're in this together, and I think, you know, anytime in today's game where you have two catchers, which is pretty much the norm, um, going at it and maybe playing matchups, like the relationship you guys have has a huge impact on the pitching staff, and you know, I don't think either one of us take that for granted. And so, you know, we've always gone along, and uh, he's, he's been a kid that's asked a lot of great questions, and he's gotten so much better in a short amount of time that, I mean, he looks like one of the best catchers out there in the big leagues, and it's, it's truly phenomenal to watch. 
Well, Tom, uh, I, I think I speak for all Mariner fans and uh, happy that you're back. Excited that you're back. And I know your teammates love having you out there as well. So uh, we look forward to seeing you out there when we get out there in March. Uh, we wish you nothing but the best and look forward to talking to you when we get there. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. There you go. There's Tom Murphy Thanks, joining us uh, from Peoria, where the wind sounds like it's blowing. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's, he was probably walking out to his car there. He did get a little wind there in Peoria. Yeah, but good to hear him back and 100% healthy. And if you missed any of that conversation with Tom Murphy or anything else from the show, uh, just head to the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. Click on our picture. Click on the podcast tab. You'll find it right there waiting. And make Lefko and Wyman really happy. Click subscribe. That's the best way to handle it all. All right, coming up. What's bugging Bob? What's bugging Wyman? What's bugging Lefko? We're all going to find out together. That's coming up with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710. What's bugging Bob? It could be traffic. Hey, 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 hey. It might be Angels fans. I hate you. I hate you. I don't even know you. And it's definitely Stephen A. Smith. I got a lot of problems with you people. It's time to find out what's bugging Bob. What could possibly be bugging me today, Dave? It's a beautiful day outside. Well, I did mention something to you that happened indoors, and we had somewhat of a discussion on it. Which one was that? Well, it's the one about if you are working in an office and there happens to be a urinal. Oh. And you go to the bathroom in the urinal and you don't flush it. I feel like that's ongoing. What, what is, what is what, that? What is with why there can't be that much water? You know, like I know that they say, well, when you flush this and it's this many are wasted, you know, and I said this before the show, if there's somebody in Seattle that's dying of thirst, please text in. Okay. If you're, we can text point into you the to show. water. Yeah. Go outside. Not today. Open your mouth and look up. Okay. <laughs> there's one thing. Fine. But yeah, I mean, it's not like, and by the way, uh, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company, text us at 866-979-3776 because... That that drives me crazy. And the premise of it is, I mean, I'm not going to get too crude here, but I mean, like if something does sort of sprinkle out on your shoe, whatever, uh, you don't mind if it's yours. If it comes from me, I can live with you it. Can I don't live prefer with it. it. It's not great. <laughs> it's not optimal. But it's it's not. But if it happens the other way. What's the excuse for not flushing want... a toilet, period? What What is your excuse? Urinal or otherwise? Because we've would, seen both. I just don't think I would ever not do that what kind of savage is in there going i'm good and and it used to be and i put him on blast before john Curley, but he's not in that he does a show from home so he's not he's not here <laughs> and i've called him out in there where he tried to walk out when i've been in there washing my hands and he uses You're the like, urinal whoa, 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 whoa. that's exactly what i did i was like whoa whoa we're not done here mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like huh i said how are you going to leave the urinal like that? You're just—he's like—and then he did his little rhyme. If it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, flush it down. He thought that was cute, but yeah. he's not here. So there's a new sheriff in town. There's somebody else who's who's taken over that. So there's that, a new villain in town. Ugh. Yeah, I don't uh, that that part. Who that's the only that, thing though? I got for you, though. Well, today. but it is that's that's more of a just like what, what I, I get that some people they don't want to touch the the handle, the flusher, whatever. Use your foot. Use your foot or. There's a, we, in our bathroom. There's a big two giant stacks of paper towels. You can go grab one and then touch Maybe. the handle with that. So you don't have to make skin skin to handle contact there. You've got you got a buffer with the towel. So there's really zero excuse. Well, I just think this really resonates with our fellow coworkers that are workers that are out there that are working in a in a building. 
you know, in a building, in an office, when that kind of stuff happens, there's just a certain amount of, uh, I don't know, decorum or, you know, courtesy yeah. that, that you extend to your coworkers, and that's one of them. Yeah, and, and the other thing I would say this, if you're going to wash your hands, wash your hands. Don't, don't do the courtesy, I'm going to put my hand under the stream of water for two seconds and walk out. You're, you're doing that for show. You're doing that because somebody else is standing there to make it seem like if nobody was in there, you wouldn't even have approached that sink. I've seen people who go to the sink, literally put one hand under there, water hits it, they walk out. I'm like, they don't even need a paper towel. That's how little water they have on their hand. I'm like, what are you doing? There's another theory out there that you should wash your hands before. I I think there's something to that. Yeah. That's... That's why my hands are always clean. Today. Right. Enough, <laughs> enough with the potty talk. <laughs> what do you mean, Bob? Always like you. Every five minutes, you have a Lysol wipe. In exactly your hands. right. Yeah. So I'm I'm going in clean. I'm coming out clean. I'm surprised that your your hands don't look like an old man. They look like a hundred and five year old man. I know. With they, how much they get washed. Well, sometimes they get beat up, but a lot of lotion, a lot of lotion going on there. But yeah, that's just basic common decency. We live in a society, Dave. We're living in a society. <laughs> it just, it's, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know who's doing that. I don't know what, what would possess you just to think, I'm just going to walk out of here and go ahead and leave that for somebody else. It's just, it's not cool, man. Lefko, you got anything? Yeah, I'm he's the on one those. doing it. He's yeah. mad that we're bringing uh, it up. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. So, uh, outside of that, no. How are your, how are your today, teams doing? Are your teams making good. you upset? You uh, no. Left Lightning beat the Avalanche yesterday. It was a good win. Kraken lost, though. They're not good yeah, at the shootout. Did. So that's, okay. That's yeah. bugging me. Yeah. The shootout ineptitude. Pretty bad. Not a good road trip for the Kraken. Pretty disappointing. Yeah, it was. It was disappointing, and I was going to text you. Oh. Uh, Grubauer. So, hey, <laughs> there you go. That's what's bugging us. <laughs> our, our, we're going, right? Yeah. The I three of us? we got to finalize a date there. We did gotta, we, well, we didn't get it confirmed. Got to stare around here. Got to feel, uh, huh. Got to get confirmation about that. All right. Okay. All right. We got well, semi-confirmation. We're, we're going to do a show trip out to a Kraken game, hopefully, in the next mm-hmm. next couple of weeks. Yes. Field trip out there. A little field Bundle trip up. out there. Gets a little chilly in there, Dave. And Does it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm always, I run a little hot. Yeah. You know? He'll be fine. He'll I'll be, be fine. okay. All right. Coming up, he's one of our favorite draft experts to catch up with. Ryan Wilson of CBS Sports will join us next here with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710.